Okay. Uh, Hello. Live again. Welcome back to Natural Bodybuilding Worldwide. Um, we are back with episode six with um, another massive guest. We've got uh, DFAC Pro, uh, Mark Claxton. Uh, Mark's been a pro since 2010. Um, he's also uh, a two-time DFAC uh, British Grand Prix champion. Um, more recently as well, he's the team captain for, for, um, in 2018 for the, the winning, uh, UK team over at the DFAC Worlds. Um, so yeah, we're really happy to have Mark with us. Um, we're also really pleased that we've got another great sponsor, uh, who have, uh, helped support us, um, for this episode and that's Muscle Form Supplements, um. They're actually uh, Mark's sponsor. They've helped him out for a long time. Um, and so we thought that it might be good just from the outset to to ask Mark to just tell us a little bit about Muscle Form, how he first got involved with them and uh, what, you know, his sort of staple supplements that he uses on a regular basis. Uh, so welcome, Mark. Um, could I, do, 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 just before we get into things, would you, uh, would you mind just saying a little bit on Muscle Form? Uh, muscle Form's a company that um, is fairly local to me. Um, I never really knew they existed for a long time, but um, once I found out they existed, I went there to get all my supplements, try them out, that kind of thing. Um, and I sort of hit a goldmine, really, because the, the quality's really good. They were competitive price-wise, and because they were local to me, they could get it even cheaper. Um, I've been using their supplements since, um, I believe, 2006, when I first started competing. And after um, 2007, when I competed as a junior, I did quite well. Or can we use some of your photos as like testimony on the website? We'll give you some free protein. Uh, I said, yeah, of course. This sort of went from there, really. Nice one. And, so, and, and they've uh, sponsored you ever since then? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've been really lucky, really. I've not really um, had to pay for any supplements. You know, their health and sports bins that were invaluable really probably saved me quite a lot of money over the years. And I've sort of put <laughs> quite a few people onto them. There's a lot of people locally that sort of um, use their stuff and um, anyone that will listen to me and uh, actually believe what I say, <laughs> use their stuff. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure there's plenty. And um, we thank them very much for sponsoring this episode as well because, uh, as we've said before, without the sponsors, we, we probably couldn't do it um, or continue to do it. Um, so, yeah, thanks to them. Yeah, that's it. You know, we're, we're such a... We're like a minority sport within a minority sport. <laughs> so it's sort of uh, quite difficult to, to find sponsors to sponsor, you know, e even shows, but, you know, things like this. So it's it's really great that they've uh, they've helped us out. And they're also... Um, a bit of a plug that they're offering a 25% discount on first orders with the code MARK25. Um, and I believe they also do free shipping on orders over £20. So, um, yeah. I'll, you can't I'll go wrong there, can I'll you? I'll leave that with you. Um, and uh, obviously, before we do get into things, um, a shout out again to Chris here at Pump Media, who uh, had recently stepped in um at last minute for uh, to take the photographs and do the videos of uh, the BMBF Northern. Um, there was a date change that was unavoidable, and um, Fivos, who's a usual photographer, couldn't make it, and uh, Chris stepped in. And by the and, by, and from from all accounts, there's been a lot of good feedback from uh, everyone who's got a, a video or some or some photographs. And I've great, seen. It was a great show. It was yeah, show. it was it was a great show. Uh, there was some good numbers, some good standard, um, especially for me in figure um i thought they had a a, a, a great lineup um it's strong and finals are going to be really interesting um and the, and the juniors as well but um that's another conversation and check out brand new hot off the press nbw t-shirts and we're running a competition at the moment as well so head over to our uh, instagram page and find out how to enter and you could be in receipt of one of these bad boys still not got one we'll mm -hmm. have to sort that one out we're also getting either from uh, Rob Waterhouse he wants one as well um, so yeah anyway so yeah we'll, we'll probably <laughs> chat a little bit about upcoming shows and stuff at the end but let's get into uh, this chat with Mark I'm going to hold this microphone a little bit I like it That's 
<laughs> as long as everyone can hear me all right. So, Mark, just uh, we, we like to find out a little bit about you and let anyone who doesn't really know much about you um, find out your background um, from the early days of uh, bodybuilding, even prior to that, maybe what got you into it. Um, and just just tell us a little bit about y- your early days. Um, I got into it because uh, before before I was even old enough to go into it, my dad, prior to me being born, was into training and, and going to the gym and stuff. And got to a point where he's very strong, and um, his a lot of his relatives, you know, my family also uh, involved in it. And so I grew up, grew up hearing about good old stories from the gym, and kind of always wanted to be in the gym environment. and wanted to do that for myself. And, and growing up in the eighties and early nineties and stuff, like all even cartoon characters and things like that all were muscular so everyone knew after if you like your hero they were muscular or being a better person so maybe maybe that was what it was just just... like my dad really and just didn't have times in the gym we're just struggling with a little bit of sound Have you got any uh, headphones, um, headphones with a built-in mic at all that we could use? Um, I have, but they're in the cars. You want me to run and get them? <laughs> uh, well, if, we, if we continue to have sound problems... Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll carry on, okay. um, and we'll see how we get on. Closer. It might, yeah, it might be. So I think sometimes it's the... the that? Yeah, that's a bit better, that. Yeah, so uh, we, we've got that um, you got into it through your dad, really, who was always in the gym. Um, and uh, that's where you sort of... Uh, started training I suppose with your dad was that um, no no I actually started training on my own when I was born my dad stopped going to the gym altogether so um, it was just me being <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> on me getting involved with the gym because uh, while he didn't discourage me I could tell that he wasn't very um, animated in his um, enthusiasm so right. I think maybe you know what the gym environment was like um, the types of people would go um, steroids and so on and growing up when I was young, um, I did get involved in silly things and I weren't the best behaved kid. Um, most of the time when I was at home, I was, but, you know, outside of the home, I was into the wrong thing. And the gym actually helped keep me away from all that kind of thing um, just at the right time. So Yeah, yeah. That's that's really interesting that um, it seems to be people find the gym um, as a result of a number of reasons. You know, it, not always... Um, you know, people's lives take a, start taking a certain path when you're young. And I think that's a danger for a lot of young people is that they um, they succumb to sort of peer pressure about what's a, what's the popular thing to do. And it's not always um, a good or even legal thing sometimes. And uh, the, the lucky ones find the gym and find someone in the gym that can guide them. And it kind of Without being overdramatic, it kind of can change your life a little bit. Would you say that, that was something that, that's true for you? Yeah, it definitely helped me change the path of my life. You know, I had a good upbringing, I had a supportive family, so I had no reason to be that way. So um, just getting into the gym and stuff helped, helped um, knack me out, tire me out, give me something positive to focus on. Yeah. Mm. And uh, so obviously that, you know, that, that kind of first got you into the gym. Um, moving on from there what was your sort of progression to then sort of thinking about competing? I know that I, I've I've listened to some of your other interviews and I've chatted to you before and uh, you had quite a big name influence, didn't you, um, early on who trained at your gym, who who yeah. may, maybe sort of facilitated that. Um, would you tell us a little bit about that, How you know, how you came to compete for the first um, time? I actually um, had already... You're talking about Rob Hope now. I'd actually already decided that I was going to compete at that point. I had plans to compete. But how it happened was um, I used to train with guys that were older than me, a lot bigger than me. Um, my friend had a clothing company. Um, that he would just go around gyms selling bodybuilding clothing. And then I often used to go out and just help them on, you know, chum along and just, just help out. And there was a particular gym in Norwich where there was a natural bodybuilder at the time, had his photos on the wall and said, oh, you know, you should, I didn't know anything such existed. So, um he said, oh, you should do it. I was only a, obviously a child by comparison. Um, you should do it as a junior category. You do quite well. I just rubbished it. I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to stand on stage and clothes and trunks and all the rest of it. As much as I admired it, I didn't want to do it myself. It's a bit weird. But um, I, over time, 
you know, the cogs turn and you sort of come around to the idea, it all becomes normalised as you sort of follow the sport more and more and more. Fast forward to 2005, maybe, I um, decided that I was going to compete. Um, 2006, um, in my opinion, best natural bodybuilder that ever was. Um, was training in my gym, sort of saw him come in the gym. I didn't realise who it was. He had a baseball cap on and was training away. I saw him training. Um, I thought, that guy's got good form. And as soon as he took his cap off, he had massive arms. As soon as he took his um, cap off, I know that guy. And went marching straight over to Rob Hope. Yeah, yeah. And then that was that, really. And then he sort of told me about what categories there were and things. And I actually planned on doing a junior, but I was actually going to be 21 before the day of the finals, which meant that I wasn't under 21, so I couldn't do it. So then I had to do the uh, novices um, for my first year. But subsequently, the year after, the age category opened up from under 21 to under 23. So my second competitive year actually ended up being a junior. And how and and talk tell us talk us through that what happened there when uh, you competed as a junior that year? Um, well, the first year I competed as a novice, uh, I placed second at a qualifier, um, which was more than I was expecting. Went on to the Britain, didn't really know what I was doing with my diet. The help I was getting while gratefully received wasn't what I needed for a natural bodybuilder. Um, didn't do so well at the Britain, looked worse for it, despite killing myself in the gym. Um, came a bit disheartened, learned more through, through Rob um, since then and Vicky and various other people, just getting to know people and um, came back as a junior the following year in 2007 um, and I won my qualifier and then went on to the Britain and placed second to Andrew Chappelle and um, Mushy. Um, yeah, got all Mushy. In a couple of weeks, so that'll be interesting to see him up there competing. Yeah, yeah, we've been, uh, I've been seen quite a few of his progress photographs recently and he's uh, probably looking the best he's, he ever has, I think. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's, he's a big guy now. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, I think his progression has just been, un- you know, like when you look from when he, that year that he turned pro to then, I think it was 2017 when he when he did the, the Grand Prix in the world. And it's yeah. just like unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it'd be a good, a good uh, good show it will in be. two weeks' time. Yeah, can't wait for that. Um so Um So you, you mentioned there about, about Rob, um and obviously he he was you know, a big help to you and, and kind of uh, support. And we'll probably talk a little bit later about that kind of almost like support network within natural bodybuilding, particularly the BMBF with putting on the clubs and things like that. Did you have any anyone else at the time, um, you know, as, as someone to to go to in for for questions with regards to your diet and training, um, or, or was it was it kind of more just y- yourself? Post two thousand and like uh, Rob was in the gym two thousand and six. He um, was working in Norwich um, temporarily, so he was living here while he was working here. Then when once his contract was finished, he went back to London. But um, I used to keep in contact with him over the phone a little bit. Um, he helped me through sort of 2007, not like a lot, just, you know, I'd call him every Sunday, wherever he was, bless him, he would answer his phone, answer the stupid questions, and I thought, he was keep bringing me up. But, um, yeah, uh, once that was gone, I used to have to travel, there was no such thing as like these lengthy podcasts and endless amounts of YouTube videos where you can source information back then, there was forums and, AJ, you'll remember this, like, you know, they weren't great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I used to travel basically to shows. I used to travel to uh, anywhere where I knew um, people would be that I knew I could learn from. Um, just be a sponge, really. Anything and everywhere I'd get um, information from. So magazines, um, pieces here and there on the internet, but anywhere really. Yeah, yeah, that's no, no one, no one person really. I, I sort of taught myself and tried to sort of like read between the lines, and then you know, different people have different levels of influence over here as as you go and you, you find it, it's, it's like a sliding scale obviously the more you learn the better your diet and everything else um, yeah that season is like almost like a trial and error sort of thing like I, I would imagine the way you prep now and even you know a couple of years into your bodybuilding career uh was vastly different to your first season um 
and and that comes through experience and and trial and error i suppose yeah yeah, yeah. the first competitive year wasn't great i remember at one point being on like 850 calories and four rice cakes a day and the rest of it was like boiled chicken or something <laughs> <You know. laughs> you know it, it, it reminds me um tom and i went to see tom platts in a seminar um during our last prep and there was something he said um was that all the stuff the gurus are doing now they did by accident back then and he found yeah. that you know he he he'd done and I, I know he's obviously not involved naturally but the uh doing the low carb high protein diets and stuff like that and then he switched up to a high high carb diet and found that that brought him in his best ever um and, you know, we, we remember me and Tom just looking at each other and giving it, you know, the nod. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, obviously, like you say, the, through the trial and error, you find out what works for you. Um, but I've, done, I've, not, I've not seen a competitive bodybuilder that's done well this in the last two or three years that hasn't done a high-carb diet. Is that, is, I take it you're the same now as well. You're always on a high-carb diet. Um, yeah. I've been quite a heavy proponent for quite a lot of years now of a high carbohydrate diet. Um, yeah, and I've, I've done, done the lower carb thing, and, and obviously, the more carbs there were present in my diet, the better I did. So, that what you will. Well, there you go. More evidence high carbs, mm. it's the way forward. Don't be scared of them, people. Yeah. Um, so, moving on a, a little bit, obviously you turned pro in in 2010 um quite a you know so i think was your first show in 2006 is that correct mark yeah yeah so so quite quite a rapid progression there um whether it was there anything drastic which changed once you turned pro um not really, no. Like I said before, it's kind of like a sliding scale over time of how things improve in terms of like what you're doing and your knowledge and stuff. Um, 2000, the early earliest show obviously was a very, very difficult and not fruitful one because of what I was doing. Um, 2007, I got an absolutely brilliant condition, but flat as a pancake. I was still a child by comparison. There were not a lot of muscle there, but... Um, in sort of 2008 and 2009, I had off because I realised obviously I was a junior and I needed to compete with the men who I, I looked at at the 2007 Britain and thought there's no way I can look at these, you know, I can, I can look like these guys. So I just need as much time and hard training as possible to, to even be on stage with these guys and not, not get embarrassed. So 2008, 2009, I had off as I was maturing as a man as well. So I think that was the best thing that I did and that was what I would probably recommend to people um, of similar age or in the same sort of scenario. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say to juniors or even teens to not compete because I do think you can get something out of competing. It definitely heightens your awareness about the importance of every single meal, the diligence and the, the consistency aspect. Like maybe even there's something else you get out of competing that I can't quite put in the words or put my finger on, but something changes when you compete. Everything just goes up. The ante is up and um, everything seems to be Mm. Yeah, and and some of these teens and these juniors, well, it gives the open men a kick up the ass because some yeah, of them, yeah. some of them coming through, uh, you can see the future is is mm. is bright for them. And the difference in the availability of knowledge now, um, and the culture has shifted for young people now. They care more about the way they look, like with Instagram and social media and all the rest of it. Um, whether it be good or bad, um, obviously there's good and bad in everything, but. Um, I think they're more aware, therefore more more people are wanting to look after the way they look. And so they're getting into the gym and they're falling into competing. Um, so yeah, I think that's what it is. There's more people doing it and the information that they've got at hand is, is more readily available. So they're going to be a lot better than we were years ago. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Um, I'm glad that um, I'm not a junior. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, <laughs> especially after uh, the the Northern and uh, seeing Chris McCready absolutely smash it to pieces um, at that competition. Well, yeah, I mean, we were just talking earlier, weren't we? That the, the that class at the finals is going to be a, a standout. I think. Oh yeah, junior class. Yeah, there's been. I think 
throughout the year, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we, we've seen it a couple of the competitions this year, Mark, and I think, you, I don't know if you agree, but I think the, the juniors is one of the, probably one of the better classes this year. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the, the lightweight men are always in really good condition, but the middleweights are, are also very good. But um, yeah, the, the, the juniors have been really impressive um, for me this year. Um, so uh, again, I'm just glad I'm not, <laughs> I'm not competing this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'd be worried if I was a junior. Um, but yeah, so we'll move on a little bit. Um, we've we've had a discussion uh, in the past, Mark, and I'll never I'll never forget it really because uh, it was about what you told me about when you turned pro, um, and your comment was along the lines of, in some ways, you wished you'd not got your pro card when you did, because you perhaps it was a little early and um, not because you didn't deserve it, but maybe just because you wanted to move up through the amateur ranks, maybe a little bit more, spend some more time in the amateur ranks. Um, Yeah, what it was, I just see all the people I was looking up to above me, you know, your dad's kids and even like lightweights that, uh, like Jason Barnett or or all sorts of different people. But um, you see these people come back year after year and they get slightly better and you can see that they're edging towards you know, winning their class at the Britain, you know, looking, you know, in overalls at the Britain, fighting for pro cards and stuff. Um, and obviously I went from being a junior in 2010, not knowing where I was going to fall. I didn't know what class yeah. I was going to be. Well, I'm probably too tall, too heavy to be um, a lightweight. So maybe I'll be a middleweight. And then you start looking at middleweight still, where will I fit in? Where will my physique fit in amongst that caliber of physique? Um, and I was looking forward to one day, you know, working towards like being good enough to be, you know, in, in contention of winning a weight class at the Britain and yeah. taking a board to compete with the British team. And, you know, that was my ultimate dream, if you like, not something I real, thought I would realise early on. Um, but as it turned out, I ended up being a heavyweight Um I ended up competing slightly earlier, an earlier qualifier at the BNBF Welsh. I was going to do the, the central. Um, I was in shape, more or less. I decided last minute, oh, I'll just see if I can get an early qualification. If I can get an early qualification, I can be better at the Britain. Um, not really thinking, just hoping, hoping I can get a, a qualification. Um, fast forward to the show. Um, I ended up winning the heavyweight class, the overall best legs, and then the whole, so the whole thing. Um, I trained legs like the day before, so it's not like I did any preparation. <laughs> really? Um, I didn't know where I was staying. I didn't know who was putting my tan on. Um, shout out to Rob Warhouse for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just turned up, did the show, um, sort of didn't really plan on coming off my diet at all, but I was like, well, I've got weeks and weeks and weeks till the Britain. I'm in fairly good condition, and this is something I'm never going to forget. So I went out for a meal with my friends. We were there, Darren Lobston, Rob Waterhouse, and a few others. Um, yeah, it was a good, good day. And then come to the Britain, um, I ended up winning the overall and everything else there as well. So I turned pro at that show. But then you, re- the moment of realisation is there that I'm not going to be an amateur anymore. I'm not going to be fighting and struggling to, to be, you know, one of these people who are fighting for the weight class at the Britain anymore. I'm going to be... I'm going straight back to the beginning again of yeah. being fish in a very, very big pond. It would be nice to kind of like strive to, to become. Mm. Yeah. In a little while. Being spoiled in the BNBF and the way things are, as you know, like the show quality is brilliant. You know, you haven't got to worry about flying to America every five minutes or, you know, things like that. So, yeah, not, not being able to do that was a bit bittersweet. Yeah. But, yeah, but it's fair to say that the, the progression that you didn't see necessarily through the amateur ranks, we've definitely seen it through the pro ranks for you. At the time, you know, you don't you don't think you can carry on getting better and better. Um, you don't realise just how good you can get. That's the other thing about natural bodybuilding is most people, when they first start or they've been doing it a while, um, they don't think they can be as good as the pros or, you know, they don't realise how good you can be as a natural. I certainly didn't. I remember looking at, guys at British level when I first started thinking maybe these guys aren't clean you know you get all these people in the gym that say you know the naysayers that say oh these these guys aren't clean and you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, you know they don't know but I think the reason they think that is because they put everything into their they think they put everything into their training 
and they do a bit of gear and stuff, and they're nowhere near as big as these guys themselves. So oh, they yeah. can't be how it's possible. But yeah. uh, if you put, put your mind to something, you're consistent with it, and you work your ass off, you can be a lot, lot better than you realise. You know, there's certainly nothing about my early physique in my mind um, to suggest that I was going to be as good as that. And oh, yeah, and the, the world is full of those people who just either they don't believe that you can actually build an amazing physique without the use of uh you know performance enhancing drugs um you know I've had, I've had great great debates with people online about this and and that that thing you were saying about you you sort of like genetic potential uh, you think when you become a pro you you've sort of met that but you, you know you look at like the likes of yourself Dave Kay Andrew Chappelle if we talked about you, like you, you can see. Like even you've been a pro nearly ten years, and you're still getting better each each time you compete. Um, yeah, I think that's another thing I've learned is you can you can carry. I think you can carry on getting better and better and better. Obviously, up to a certain point where you're naturally going to decline. Your body's naturally in decline anyway because you're aging. But I think you can get better and better and better, um, provided you're injury free. Yeah. Nice one, yeah. And, and what what you've, you've been in the game a long time now as well. But so, what keeps you um, motivated really uh, in the gym to keep to continue to go and then and actually put um, a shift in at the gym? I'm just because you enjoy it. I always enjoy training. Um, I like feeling strong. I like I like um, I just like the feeling of training. You know, knocking the pan in and getting knackered. Uh, it's good. <laughs> if, I, if I didn't compete ever again, I'd still yeah still yeah. Train. I've got no plans on competing again soon, but um, never say never. But at the moment, I certainly can't see wanting to do it. But there, might, there might be a few people glad to hear that, Mark, because <laughs> we've seen <laughs> we've seen you've, we've seen. Um, well, I, I certainly have a lot of your training uh, videos um, that you've posted, and I've always said, you know, that you do, you do get tired of seeing some people posting relentlessly about their training, but it's usually the people that are doing 10 sets of lap pull-downs at like 10 kilos or some absolute rubbish like that. But you're you're not guilty of that because every single thing I've seen you do has always been with such heavy weight and, and not even for just one or two reps. You're always hitting it for really high reps. So, I mean, it, talk, talk to us about your training a little bit. So um, what... What sort of principles do you follow usually when you're going into the gym? Um, I've done all sorts of different things, you know, followed all the generic training programs probably early on. Um, on high volume, lower volume, high intensity stuff. Um, which way, really. Um, but what I've found is that the training is not really much of an issue. I think you really have to, I think large, large majority of people just don't train hard on They're probably training at 80%. And... You know, overtraining is never going to be an issue for them, even if they push themselves. So they need to be more and more up the work capacity. But, um, yeah, I, I just think that uh, the best way of training is, for me, is whatever I enjoy doing. So if, if I'm following a particular set program and, and I'm holding back here and there and perhaps pushing for something when I don't feel it's there, uh, I don't think it's the best way for me. Today I'm going to get injured. Um, I have to listen to my body and just... When it's there, take it, and when it's not, leave it alone. Live for quite another day. Kind of yeah, absolutely. There's, there's there's plenty of time, isn't there, um, to come back and 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 hit hit the gym hard and heavy. Uh, but like I say, you've got to listen to your body every now and then when it's saying just slow down a touch um, and give it a bit of a rest. Mm. Um, and we talked about you know what keeps you motivated, and it seems like for yourself, it's just you know it's that love for training that that we all got into training for basically but when you do come to compete again do you have any any sort of set goals in mind obviously you've got you've got two british grand prix titles to your name uh what what sort of motivates you from a competitive point of view um i'm not really that competitively motivated if i'm perfectly honest um myself vicky and dave are probably all very similar in that it's the love of training that makes me do what I do. Um, and if, for whatever reason, competing is not around, um, we'd, we'd all just train exactly the same. So, um, yeah, nothing really competitively motivates me. Like you said, you know, I've got 
achievements to her name that I never thought that I would ever be able to reach. So you know, if I never achieved another single thing, I'd be more than happy, you know, made up high and be proud of myself, you know. So it doesn't really doesn't really motivate me. It's nice to do well, don't get me wrong, but um, I also realised I've always had the attitude that I'm not I'm not Dave Kay, I'm not Nate William all I will be because genetically I just don't have the same structure and well I don't say I wouldn't say I have bad genetics you don't have um, no matter how hard you train or how diligent you are or how knowledgeable you are you can't compete with someone who's doing the same thing as you it's better yeah I think all, all we can do is is do the best with what we've got um, and and, and try and build the best physique that we can with with the not obviously with our genetics but with our with our uh, approach to training as well um not so i think that's a good message to send home really because it, it can be hard for some people to accept that they might they may not have the best genetic structure but if you work hard yeah. enough you can still make the best of what you got yeah just be the best you you can be and where the cards fall is where they fall yeah, yeah. and it's it's like sounds a bit cheesy but it's like that that journey isn't it it's not just you know what happens on this show day it's like it's like a lifelong pursuit isn't it bodybuilding yeah. and that's why that's why we all love it yeah. I guess. Is, uh, so many people put worth in where they place so they can do it they can compete in a show come first and think it's amazing yeah i've done brilliantly but then if they came fifth they're with the same physique on the same day, if they came fifth, they'd feel bad about it. But what you actually achieved was in the lead up to that day. It wasn't on that day. Mm. You know, whether you first or fifth depends on other people. Who else is in the show? What are their genetics? What have they done? Do they have the same life obstacle with you? Um, yes, no. You know, some people are disadvantaged compared to you going into this particular show. So you can't really, you know, you have to, you know, have I put absolutely everything into this and kind of hold my head up like, yes. Well, then where you place is kind of relevant. Yeah. And yeah, you're right there. You, hit, you know, there's a lot of people get into bodybuilding, um, and they do it for the trophies. And when they and if they don't get them, then the, the, the value on themselves they, they put on that um, on themselves it just it, it takes a dip, doesn't it? I, I know I'm trying to say there that you know if they don't get that trophy, then it kind of doesn't validate what they've been doing that entire time. When really it does because. Yeah. The, the effort that you have to put in to get actually get on stage in the first place is, is where it's really at. Mm. Um, getting a trophy um, is a bonus. Uh, and I think it's hard to remember that when you're in the depths of a prep, though, I think, you know, so I can kind of get it from both sides. But that's it, isn't it? Like, ha yeah, your happiness is not going to come from, from a trophy or a placing, is it? That, you know, to go through not only just like a an eight to ten month prep but like it's as i say it's a lifelong sport isn't it and the things that you remember for example you know our last seasons the things that you remember probably not the the trophies that you came away with it's like the sort of the, the, the experiences, the, the experiences and the people and, along the way and the memories and and like you pushing yourself and striving for something um but but yeah, the actual sort of material trophies and things like that is that's not gonna uh, be your. It's not the be all and end all. No, no, it's um, not. So don't look don't look towards bodybuilding for that. Yeah, <laughs> I expect. Yeah. Should um, we do some uh, shout outs, guys? I was literally just about to ask. Yeah, yeah. It's like you read my I mind. Pre Preempted it then, mate. Preempted it. Right. Shout outs. Uh, so over on our Facebook channel, guys, if you are watching, please share. Uh, this to your timelines, your pages, and your communities. So we've got uh, Mark Hodgson. How are you doing? Um, Opio, he's uh, he's on again. He's, he always tunes in. Good old Opio. Um, uh, Vince de, Las, uh, de Al Alessandro, uh, David K. Let's go, Clacko. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Opio says, "Morning, lads." Um, uh, kudos. Atunse. Yeah, we, we call him Kiwi. Okay. He's one of Kiwi. our Kiwi. one of one of the juniors. Okay. Um, uh, Kelly Sostak, who's a tanning girl. Um, oh, Kelly. And uh, Marcus Lee, whoop whoop, caught it live. Um, Opio's back on again. Some calf tips, please. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> He's always on. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I'm 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 in that group as uh, well. Ronnie Oz uh, joined. Cy Sweeney's joined. Uh, David Budgeon. Um, morning, y'all. Good um, morning. My wife's watching. 
Victoria Clark. <laughs> 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 uh, hiya. Uh, I know I should be at home making breakfast right now, but I'm not. Um, Sorry. Uh, Vicky McCann and Guy Addison uh, and Christopher um, Chilfee. Chris McCready. Yeah, Chris McCready, who uh, won the juniors um, Manchester show uh, last weekend. Congrats again, pal. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Um, If you can like uh, and share this uh, today, that'd be great. And if you've got any questions at all for Mark, then please send them in. We've got some already lined up, um, which we'll get round to shortly. Um, Tom, 101. Um, yeah, should we should we should we start with a, a positive and uh, ask? A, sure, yeah, yeah. Let's do, do that. Yeah. yeah, let's be let's be positive. Or can we end on a positive? Uh, okay, yeah. Let's do let's do that then. We'll we'll start with yeah. With, so so Mark, you, uh, I think you've listened to some of some of the podcasts before, and uh, we do a thing which I think Rob Waterhouse actually first came up with, and it's uh, a bodybuilding room one hundred and one. So. Uh, basically, the the one thing in the fitness and bodybuilding in, industry that you dislike and you would put into a, a room one hundred and one and get rid of. Um, is there anything that springs to mind for you that 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 sort of aggravates you in the industry? Oh, well, I've got a list as long as my arm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to pick one out is difficult. Funnily enough, um, I would say probably. One of them that springs to mind, not that it's a standout one really, but um, people that compete in bodybuilding shows after not a lot of time actually training. Um, Watered down bodybuilding shows, place well, or perhaps get a pro card in whatever federation they're doing and can take themselves as professional yeah. successful in the sport. And you know, to keep, you know, to people that aren't involved in the sport might look at those people and go, oh, they, they did really well. They're, you know, third in the country at whatever they do. And the reality is, no, they're not anywhere near that yeah. level. You know, just decided to compete in bodybuilding five minutes ago. And what they do is is not what we do. And that's not looking down on as a person. It just devalues the accomplishments of people that have been working really, really hard at something for a long period of time. You actually, you know, have that is necessary to do well in the sport where these other people, you know, probably isn't for them. Yeah, I think uh, that's... that's uh, 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 we've, we've chatted about it before, I think particularly with, with Vicky about the, you know, the sort of what they call serial box pro cards and yeah. uh, and numerous categories. You know, we, we see it every week in competition <coughs> season in, in, you know, certain federations and the uh, the number of of categories within a category is, is is just getting a bit ridiculous isn't it yeah and it's i think it sets unrealistic standards for people which is what again makes it too accessible to a lot of people um who maybe don't have the physique that's quite ready for the stage and that's uh, and then and then they get disappointed by a result that they didn't get or when they do get a result such as what you you're you're talking about there um then like I say just the, the standards a bit unrealistic um yeah. in my opinion one thing I do notice as well is um I would like to see more of is people that perhaps compete in a competitive federation like such as the BMBF maybe not place so well in the BMBF they don't compete somewhere else and get first place and then you'll never ever see them again and then they might get a pro card with another federation yet they actually wouldn't place in their weight class at the British at the BNBF. So why why carry on there? Why not try and challenge yourself and, uh, and validate your accomplishments? If you like? Now there are people that will go and compete elsewhere and actually do become pro standard. You know, fair play for them and push yourself going against the best domestically. is the best. No disrespect to anyone else. Yeah. And there are pros in other federations that are equally as good. You know. Yeah. Not just frozen to my amateur. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think we're, we're, you know, I think we're fortunate to have that structure in, in the likes of the BMBF where, where it is so competitive and, you know, if you ever reach the, like you said, you know, the pro ranks, you know that 
you're going to straight away be up there and competitive and worthy of being a pro because because of the competition that you've had to sort of beat to get get to that pro card you know it's you've got like multiple people each season haven't you that you can say oh that you know that they're in with the the running of the pro card and it's um you know if you've won that britain overall then then you know that that you're going to be up there yeah you what you want i think the you want to win in a strong class don't you You don't want to win in a weak one um yeah because if you look at if you look at andrew chappelle or like uh shane raymond for years and years and years they were knocking on the door trying to get the pro card and, and they were of a standard where they could have gone across to america and got a pro card anytime they wanted for years before they actually got theirs but they carried on going and going and going when they earned that pro card they knew that they belonged in the pros and Students are doing it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, from your perspective um, as a as a as a judge, is that are we? Yeah. Oh, sorry. No. Yeah, I do apologise. Um, yeah, best and worst moments. Before we get to that, um, obviously, people would would probably say from their own perspective that winning a pro card is is their bet would be their best moment or what have you in bodybuilding if you know if they were a pro um but have you got a particular moment that you sort of cherish more uh, over the rest um and have you got one moment that um your, your least favorite moment uh, in your competitive career there's multiple good ones um i wouldn't say there's one particular one that's any more important than the other winning the overall Welsh was a big one for me. That was, that was um, a nice feeling. And again at the Britain, um, that was that was pretty sweet as well. And then straight after that, competing abroad, and uh, we were, I remember after competing at the Worlds, being on the top of a skyscraper in New York with my friends, you know, realizing that dream that I talked about earlier. You know, going to abroad with the team, competing. That was realizing that was um, pretty good. You know, you, you're, you're not even you're somewhere you might not have ever gone. And then all of a sudden, your bodybuilding has took you there. And how the hell did I get here? I meant to go wondering which class I was going to be in and was I going to be good enough to get to the Britain. And then the next, the next thing you know, you're in New York on top of the spice eating a pizza. And after that, probably uh, the DFAC Grand Prix in 2012, winning that, because again, that was completely unexpected to me. Um, so those... Excellent. Yeah. That's uh, it, it was one that resonates with with me. What you know when you you're talking about being in New York, obviously it was different. It was in Miami, but being part of that team of of you know going out with the the BMBF, um, like that's just just incredible, isn't it? And uh, mm-hmm. sort of you think of bodybuilding as a very solitary uh, individual sport, but you know in certain federations like you know like the BMBF that there's such a big sort of team aspect to it um particularly when we go over brought overseas and and uh it was really good sort of close-knit uh community there yeah. you make experiences you have rather than you know the women and the actual competition itself in the end yeah that's a always a good point that that you, you just made there tom people do go on about it being a lonely sport and i i don't think it is i think you know, yeah, you all go on your own. I don't even like using the phrase the journey. You know, um, you you do go on your own one, but you, you're never alone when you're doing it. You you you've always got people around you um, supporting you. You know, whether it be your family, your friends, or other other people involved in the sport. And I think it can only it's only lonely if you make it that way. If you ostracise yourself yeah. from people. Depends uh, where you live as well. Like where I live is quite isolated. Isn't it? <laughs> like, I'm just, one of the only ones. At one point, I probably was the only one. So there wasn't much of a, 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 a culture for it. But yeah, like if, if you if you make yourself insular, and you know, you obviously have to be monk-like in a way, where you're not eating certain things, and you have to get to bed on time, and you have to get to the gym, you have to do this, have to do the other. You could be easily become very, very insular. So it, it, it can be a lonely thing. But like you were saying, it's it's what you make it. You know, you don't have to give up social events you don't have to be an asshole to your family or not not have relationships with correct people. yeah it's a you know that if you put the same effort 
um, into your life outside of the gym as you do when you're in the gym. You find, I think people find it's a very different um, life. And, you know, I've met like some of the best people I know through bodybuilding. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm only really very grateful um, for those people now because they're in my life permanently. Um, sad for them. <laughs> yeah, and, ev- and ev- everyone comes from, you know, different, uh, you know, different careers and different other hobbies and things, and and you meet a lot of people that you you probably wouldn't meet in in your you know you know your daily life if you weren't in that community of yeah, bodybuilding. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's it's uh, I can't sort of uh, say enough positive things about about yeah, the sport. Can, yeah. um, this is it. Um, there's not a lot of negative stuff that I can, I can I, say I, about bodybuilding. I, yeah, really. I think it's um, just people's perceptions and and ignorance in a way um i say ignorance not in it you know it, it, it's just misunderstanding it's the not it? knowing about yeah it, mi- misunderstanding and, and perceptions that people see from from media and things like that i, I would imagine well, but, we're changing it through the podcast guys we're changing uh, people's yeah, minds we are yeah. hopefully yeah hopefully those people who wouldn't normally um, know anything about it, hopefully they know a little bit more and get a bit more insight into the sport. Um, so, I mean... Do you want to know about the worst? Yes, we do. We're just about to say, what what is the worst yeah. moment that you've got? If you've got one, you may not have one. Not really. Um, probably the first year I competed going to the Britain um, as a novice, having put absolutely everything into it and really suffered to get there and looking worse for it. Um, that was humbling um, and it was hard, but I wouldn't say I was like really, really down. I see people get not like, get the result they want and they get absolutely furious and they're down for like ages and some people even like go off and be in forever and stuff. But, mm-hmm. You know, it was just that it was a moment of realisation that what I just did wasn't enough and that's hard to take when you put everything you actually have into it but at the same time I, I realised that it wasn't through lack of effort it was through lack of knowledge I was missing something and that was actually what spurred me on to learn more and more and more first to learn and what actually ended up making me better so yeah I was going to yeah. say yeah that that experience was probably required so that you would then yeah. go on to improve and achieve what you have done later on so but that's uh i think that's a testament to your character mark that you you that's what you took from it whereas i think a lot of people get disheartened and say oh you know uh the judges were wrong this and that but you kind of looked at things you know took a step back this is what i need to do and you came back and you know got better and better and better (laughs) um so yeah that's that's always nice to hear um but moving on from there, um, I, one question that I, I thought I'd I'd ask about was um, you're obviously still you know heavily involved within the BMBF and you you, you help out a lot of the events throughout the year and and particularly with judging. Um, so I was wondering, from your perspective as a judge, do you think that has helped you as a bodybuilder? Um, in terms of seeing so many different physiques and seeing mistakes on stage, how people present themselves, um, do, do you have any thoughts on that, or, or have you not really? Yeah, um, it's, it's hard to recall, and there'll be like loads of little things I could tell you. But um, one thing that sticks out in my mind is um, mainly the presentation: how quickly people get in the poses, how they fart around doing things, um, where they, you know, they, how they don't take care of their time, where they put their trunks. Um, every little thing you can think of um, when you're judging this, you have to be critical minded so you'll have seen in like reviews and stuff it's very very difficult when you're reviewing a bodybuilding show to pick out all the good points on people when you're a judge because all you're looking at is the imperfections and the things they do wrong to separate them um, obviously you do see the positives but for me I have to be critically minded to, to do that so yeah you, you pick up on all the little things where there's a difference between that person and that person. And that person might be, that thing might be the presentation or something that they're doing, which you then pick up on and go, that's really, really important because that's now made a big difference. That guy's got a better physique, but because that guy's doing that, he's now got the win over him. So when I'm competing, I'm very aware of those things. Mm. Yeah, and then, so do you have any, any kind of top tips for, uh, 
newer competitors or less experienced competitors from a judge's perspective? Um, be confident. Um, practice opposing a lot um, to the point where it's second nature, so therefore you can enjoy it rather than looking wooden. And put lots and lots of time, lots of opinions about um, what looks better or what accentuates your physique better. Travel to NBF clubs, talk to pros, spend time with people you know, not people that think they know and like to use their own voice too much. Every gym's got. Um, uh, when it comes to like new competitors, aside from that sort of stuff, not as a judge, really, but um, just if it's something you really, really want to do, consistency and determination and discipline is going to be key for you. And just not letting things discourage you. Real of where you're at. Don't blow, let people blow smoke up your ass. Take compliments with a pinch of salt the same way as you would negative comments. Um, be everything you can be and just work, work really hard and constantly push what you think hard work is. That is the biggest thing I think um, helped me when I was young or an older is just constantly trying to push yourself harder. So relativity thing. So what you think is hard, if you then surpass that in a particular session and then you do it again in the next session and again and again, what you once thought was hard work is now like the warm up. You know, you're eighty percent of your working capacity as opposed to. You know, before you thought it was 100, now it's just your 80%. So things like that. Um, look after relationships. Like I said before, you don't have to be an asshole. Um, relationships with family and friends and stuff can be there for a lifetime. You can ruin that in a moment just by being a dick. Not that I've done that, but I've seen it so many times. And, um, yeah, it takes it takes time. And for after the first time you can keep, Second time you compete, you'll realise that actually you don't need to be so neurotic about everything. It's going to be on your mind constantly. You can function normally as a yeah. human person. Yeah. Um, I think in, in, in some ways you've answered um, some of the questions that we've already got. Um, we had a question from uh, Flick Williams uh, asking what advice you'd give to juniors moving into the Mr. Classes. Have you got any um, particular words? Have time off. Um don't, if, if you're a 22-year-old lad and you're just competing in the juniors, don't go back as a 23-year-old. It doesn't make sense. Um, there's going to be a gap. There's a disparity between juniors to older guys, uh, with the exception of people like Chris McCready, who's training like an absolute beast. It's a classic example of how hard work trumps everything else. If you work hard, you will get there. And it's just, then it's just a case of consistency. You do that over time. You can't fail with as long as you stay in your career. Yeah, yeah, a bit of time under the bar does uh, works wonders, doesn't it? Um, and um, we've got a question from Harvey Armitage: uh, volume or intensity? He says, what are the pros and cons over using one strategy or over the other? Um, using one or the other means that you'll lose the pros of the other, um, and I would argue that you need both to a degree. So. Matt, you could use a phased approach where you, you, you use slightly more intensity and slightly less volume, but then you could use um, phases where the, the, that changes and shifts towards more volume and slightly less intensity, because I think you need both. Or you could try and mash those together and go as heavy as you can for as many sets as you can, which is usually the most fun in my opinion. Um, and just, it's all almost self-regulating. When, you know, you can't sustain that level of effort for long, Form at the level you have been. So, know then you have to listen to your body, back off, and then work it again. Yeah, and anyone who's seen your training videos knows just how hard and heavy and with how much intensity you go at it. And uh, I think that that reflects in, in, in your physique. So, yeah, and we had a first hand report from that from Rob Waterhouse. <laughs> 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 Yeah, that 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 was that that's a, a session that's going down in the history books. I think as one of his favourites. I'm not. That's going to sound really arrogant, but that's like a standard session for me. So there was nothing remarkable about that. I've had remarkable sessions, and there was nothing remarkable about that. So for me, with my genetics, that's how I have to train. That's how I have to be. If I didn't, I wouldn't be able to do what, what I've done. You know. Yeah. Um. So, and what else we've got? Um, David Hodson, um, you, what was your favourite competition? Um, 
or biggest mistakes made uh, during early prep? I don't know if that's um, um, early in any particular prep or from early years, but I'm sure you've got uh, an answer early, for that. The, the very restrictive diet, the severe diet, that was obviously a big mistake. Early on in preps, um, I don't really make mistakes early on in prep. Um, I would say I'm probably a little bit too anal early on. Um, I like to get started early. I like to you know, get everything optimal. I like to set my step and stage where I'm not in bad condition when I start. So I might start 24 weeks, 26 weeks out or something in relatively good condition. So it just means I have a really easy run going in. So early on in preps, I wouldn't say that in the mistakes as such. It's more likely towards the end I'm going to make mistakes going too severe or something or being too um, aggressive and food on the you know, constantly pushing that to try and keep as much muscle as I can and keep the performance in the gym up where, you know, you could practice maybe keep the food slightly lower and then be slightly harder. So I've had it every which way, really, at some point or another. Yeah, and I, I suppose the, that would highlights the benefit of having a, a, a second eye to keep it, to, to look at you and maybe give you some help and advice. People who, who are in the know um, as well. So, yeah, over to you, Tom. Um, yeah, we've got another uh, a very serious question from David Kay. Um, <laughs> so he he asks, uh, out of the following, which which do you consider uh, your greatest accomplishment in the sport? So he's given you some options. Um, a, successfully carrying a microwave all the way from Macy's to the Hyatt on carb deplete in Miami Heat. Uh, B, perfecting his peak week drying out techniques using only regular household items. Or C, uh, <laughs> running the hallowed halls of the Chevy Chase High School in Was- Washington forevermore. Sorry, that was ru- ruining the hallowed halls of the Chevy Chase High School in Washington. <laughs> oh, I did that actually whilst stealing a microwave from the hotel for oh. our room. <laughs> them up put it in the room. So, yeah, I would say probably the last one. <laughs> that sounds like a story I need to hear in more detail next time I see David Kay. <laughs> yeah, some some good stories. Um we've got another one from uh lightweight competitor Marcus Lee. Um he's asked basically about your leg training mark cuz you're quite well known for um your pins. Um uh, he says, what do you find the most effective for leg growth? Is it higher volume, uh, heavier lifts, compound movements, isolation exercises, free weights, machines? Um, and do you kind of split legs or, you know, like with a quad focus day and a hamstring focus day, or do you combine them? And then finally, how often do you train legs? Uh, he has said that's a pretty broad question. Um but he's he's quite interested about your leg training, basically. Um, all of that. So you need, you need lots and lots of heavy weight. You need lots and lots of volume. Um, frequency does help, especially when you're getting stronger. So higher frequency will help. Obviously, then you have an inverse relationship with the volume and the intensity. Well, not really the intensity, but the volume anyway. Um, you can't train multiple times a week on the same sort of lifts. Um, while doing a lot of volume, you're never going to recover from it's going to lead to injury. But, um, yeah, all of that really. Um, free weights more so than machines. Um, I would call that pretty universal. Um, yeah, so there's nothing really profound I can tell anyone about that. It's just, again, it's hard work. And I just think because it's so sucky, like, right, no one likes training legs. And after eight reps on a particular set, you might. It's really it might be getting really really disgusting and feeling, and most people will perhaps stop there and call it a set, and genuinely believe that they've done everything they can. But then when they train with someone that actually will take it to 100%, they will realise that they actually had a lot more in them. And if you if you look at that over a period of time, over a period of years, the difference in what you're going to get out of your training is going to be massive. So. Yeah, emphasis again is always going to be on the work aspect. Carbs, compounds, and consistency. Exactly. Three C's. Um, Chris, do we have any um, questions that have come through 
from the live stream. We'll certainly go through them, buddy. Just uh, bear with me one second. I'll pull them up. So, uh, let's have a look here. Um, we've got one from uh, Guy Addison. Uh, why don't you train biceps? <laughs> there you go. What a <laughs> <laughs> he's not thanking you for that one guy. Contrary to popular belief, they're just shit. Um, and uh, others are just uh, enjoying the podcast, guys, and uh, no actual questions coming through so That's far. That's fine. Um, but uh, the rest of them are just uh, enjoying the podcast. Uh, Samantha Evans has just given us um, uh, some crying laughter. Uh, so there you go. And uh, shout out to Drew Marin, a good friend of mine. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, too. Um, don't forget, give us a share. Uh, spread the word. Um, and uh, again, just a quick reminder, uh, Muscle Form Performance uh, Nutrition, who have sponsored today. Um, and they've got a discount code. Tom, just remind people what that is. That is Mark25. Nice one. Thanks for sponsoring. Um, are they on uh, Facebook and Instagram? They are, yeah. And uh, do they have a website address? Uh, they do. Do. Um, I'm just finding that's, it now. Uh, sorry, sorry. muscleform.co.uk. Yeah, muscleform.co.uk, guys. The finest quality sports and performance nutrition products at unbeatable prices. Make sure you check it out. Um, it's as simple as that. And also, don't forget, we are running a separate competition over on uh, our Instagram account uh, to win one of our... NBW t-shirts. So we need we, we need some more followers on that on that uh, Instagram page, don't we, buddy? We do. Yes. Yep. Um, we so need if, to encourage if, people to share that page. Yeah, please do. Uh, get your friends and involved and get them to like it um, and follow us and um, keep tagging us in your posts. We do enjoy seeing them. The more um, followers we get, the more we can do. The more prizes we can give away and all that kind of stuff. Yes, um, indeed. On the next episode, we'll be uh, giving. Uh, Pump will be giving you some prizes to dish out as well, guys. Just a little uh, surprise from me there. Something to look, to look forward, forward to. to. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up shortly. I'll just do a quick mention that uh, obviously everyone will be aware that uh, in two weeks' time, we've got the BMBF British Finals, which is actually the 20th year anniversary. Um, so related to, to the competition we're running on the uh, the 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 Instagram page. So I'll just ask Mark. Mark, you've been involved with the BMBF for a long time. Um, what are you most looking forward to at the BMBF finals this year? Um, what competition wise? Because I actually look forward to just seeing my mates more. Um, if I'm honest, but um, yeah, that's well. It's it's always going to be who wins the pro card, isn't it? Um, I, I don't really know. Um, Who's going to win it? Um, there's a few people that possibly could. I'm actually interested to see how some of the juniors stack up in the overall. It's, it's funny because I've seen lightweights before who perhaps never expected to be in the running, sort of really sort of show their head, if you like. Um, so, yeah, things like that. So sometimes it's not even necessarily who wins, it's who really surpasses themselves and who, who brings it and who shocks you. I like seeing the improvements in people as well like, you know they don't necessarily have to be winning anything but I like seeing someone compete one year and then come back over a year later two years later three years later whatever far improved that's what bodybuilding's about to me not necessarily winning all the time so yeah mm. but it's nice to see people really enjoy it and you know, it brings it back for me because I remember doing them so yeah and he, he, the improvements even from within the same season isn't it like because you know, you think back to last year and from the qualifier to the finals, it's, it, you know, there's a lot of time there, isn't there? And, and things can very easily turn, uh, quite, quite dramatically. So it's always, you know, it's always good to watch. Yeah. Um, I'm obviously put from a personal perspective, I can't wait to see the lightweights. I think there's been some absolute quality come through this year. Um, and that's going to be, a difficult one, I think, for the judges um, to to decide upon. Uh, with everyone bringing, if everyone brings the best on that day, um, it's going to be a real tricky one <laughs> indeed. Um, and again, like I said, I mentioned at the start, I think the uh, the figure girls are bringing a really good um, standard this year again. So I'm uh, 
looking forward to that too. Yeah. Any last questions? Uh, plans for the future, Mark? Uh, I know you've already mentioned that you've not got any plans to compete any uh, as yet, but um, is there anything in the further into the future that we can expect from you uh, competition-wise? Uh, no, not really. I've got, like I said, I've got really no um, concrete plans to compete. I don't you know, feel the need at the moment. Last time I competed, I actually didn't level in prospect at all. It wasn't until I'd been doing it for a few weeks that I got into it. So um, I'm very similar to that now. Um, my plan is just to enjoy life and um, have fun and have time doing other things and go on with girlfriend and things like that. Really. And not, not have to keep making the same sacrifices. Sorry, Mark. The sounds just yeah, we lost a bit it again. <laughs> Sorry, mate. If, um, changes and it funnels me in that direction. There's no reason to say I couldn't come back. I carry on training the way I always have. So, um, yeah, no, no plans. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, uh, um, but but you will continue to be at the shows judging. I expect. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, and then final quick fire question that we've asked a few times uh, best natural bodybuilder that you've ever stood on stage with ooh oh. <laughs> probably Nate Williams he is incredible <laughs> can't wait to see him compete again whenever that might be and also another quick fire natural bodybuilder you know in the past who you would most like to have stood on stage with Rob Hope mm. I, I literally watched um, a, a, a video of him that somebody shared or reshared in the last couple of days when he did a I think it must have been a guest pose um, a BMBF show and yeah even now it just the, the level of muscularity the condition and the, his posing ability is it's just amazing. Uh, yeah. We'd all like to look a little bit like that, I think. <laughs> um, that was my first Britain. So I saw that, guess what, six weeks out from the Worlds, I think it was, he was doing. You actually see me, once he gets into the into the audience, you see me sitting there as a young kid. <laughs> I'm going to have to rewatch it again. One of those well, Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Uh, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, and um, Sorry, go on, Tom. No, yeah, I was just going to say thanks very much, Mark, and we will uh, certainly see you in a couple of weeks' time uh, if if you uh, survive the uh, the trek up to uh, Perth. Uh, but I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be worth it. Um, yeah. Thank you. Um, Again, everyone who's listened, uh, don't forget, like, comment, share, uh, tell your friends, tell your family, get them involved, like the page. Mark is on Instagram. Um, you can find him there um, and be absolutely amazed by the, the level of intensity he puts in with his training sessions. Um, and yeah, just get involved in the competition on the MBW uh, Instagram page too. That's it, guys. Well, uh, thank you very much, Tom Pointer. Thank you very much, Chris Edge and Mark Claxton. Uh, guys, make sure you like and share this podcast on your pages, your communities, and your personal profiles. It will help us out a huge amount. Huge shout out to MuscleForm uh, Performance Nutrition uh, for sponsoring today's show. And we will see you next time on Natural Bodybuilding Worldwide Podcast. Take care, guys. Thank we'll you. see you again soon. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Cheers, Mark.